0: Amen, and I'm grateful to you who are here tonight, Amen. I, I take these, these meetings uh, very, very seriously, and I take it personal. Uh, when you are here, I'm very grateful, and it does bother me when I don't see uh, leaders uh-huh. present. at at these meetings. Uh, So I'm grateful to those of you who made it tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just, let me begin. I want to read uh, some stats that uh, have to do with pastors uh, who have considered quitting, I believe, in the last year. Um... If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's like 40-something percent of pastors, 42 percent, uh, as of March 2022, so within the last year, the percentage of pastors who have considered quitting full-time ministry within the past year sits at 42 percent, so 42 percent of people who do the job I do, um, consider quitting, giving up, turning in their resignation. Um, they, didn't, they didn't ask me so I'm not part of that number. They didn't. <laughs> but that's, that's a high amount, right? You know, 42%. Um, and then they were giving the reasons. And 56% of them said... They, They were considering quitting because of the immense stress of the job. Another 43% said it was because they felt lonely and isolated. 38% said it was because of all the current political divisions. Uh, 29% said, I am unhappy with the effect this role has had on my family. A lot of pastors' families suffer. Um... Uh, 29% say I am not optimistic about the future of my church. Another 29% says my vision for the church conflicts with the church's vision. Another 24% says no matter what I do, my church is steadily declining. Uh, 21% says I don't feel respected by the congregants. Anyway, and on and on, so i don't I don't want to be among the number of those who want to quit because of the stress and because of the uh, attitude or of the members or because uh, no matter what we do, we're not growing, and whatever the reasons are, I don't want to be among those who quit. I don't think any of our pastors here want to be among those who quit, right? And uh, But yet, it's happening, and we cannot deny the fact that there is a lot of stress, and there are a lot of reasons to be thankful, but also a lot of reasons to be discouraged, Um. The program or the outline for tonight called for me to, I uh, think, set, cast the vision. And that's not really what I want to do tonight, because I think we've talked about the vision a lot. Uh, certainly there are goals that we want to achieve, and maybe tomorrow we can talk about those goals, etc. And obviously there needs to be organization and strategy. But I think the factor that will impact our success most, no matter what the goals are, is the quality of our relationships and of our unity as a group. Uh, The thing that will impact our impact and, and cause us to experience increase or not in terms of whatever goals we set, more than anything, has to do with the quality of our relationships, the relationships between the pastors and the members, the relationship between the members and their pastors, the relationship between the members and each other. If There are just a lot of fractures, fractured relationships. No matter how wonderful and achievable the goals are, Those fractured relationships will undermine our ability, and at the end of this year, we will discover we didn't come even close to achieving goals that we could have surpassed. So, I want us to talk about what we need to do in order to strengthen our unity and strengthen our relationships and, you know, relationships between pastors and the congregation, between the congregation and their pastors, between members of the congregation with each other. Um, to keep our minds focused on what God's purpose is and not allow ourselves to be distracted. But many things the enemy is able to do to divide us. You know the scripture and you know very clearly that the Lord said concerning those folks in Genesis chapter 11 who got together and what he said was because of their unity, because they're speaking one language, because they're all set on accomplishing the same thing, because they are not divided. He said, nothing will be impossible to them. And that statement by the Lord applies to us as well. If we can truly, truly, truly understand what God is doing here and why we're here and begin to speak the same language, and really focus our energy on working together in harmony as one team, every person position where he or she needs to be, doing what he or she has been equipped to do, but doing it with the vision, the entire body, the impact that that is happening on the body. If we can really, really get our act together, it's going to be amazing what God will do through us. Are you listening to me? So let's begin by reading and discussing or commenting on First Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 12 to 15. 1 Thessalonians 5. 12 to 15. Again, this is Paul the Apostle writing, but of course, he's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so this is really God speaking to us. Let's read together. And we urge you, brethren, that word urge is strong, okay? So this is a strong Uh, expression. Paul is saying, I really, really, really want you to take what I'm saying very, very, very seriously. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. is it God is building the church. The church is God's idea. In fact, the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, this church, which is part of the church, is the Lord's it's not Bishop. You never, you've never heard me call this my church. Never. This is the Lord's church. He is building it. He told us that he is building the church. So let's settle it. This is the Lord's church. And the reason you're here is because you're part of the Lord's church. And you're part of what the Lord is doing on the earth. And you should consider yourself blessed. I consider myself blessed to be part of the Lord's church and part of what the Lord is doing. I am blessed. The Lord included me in what he's doing. But this is his church. And the Lord who is building his church has a blueprint by which he is building. Are you hearing me? And the blueprint calls for an office called the office of the pastor. Paul, I believe, is in First Timothy three, 1 Timothy 3.1. He says, anyone desires the office of a bishop. Now, there are three words that I use, but they all in the New Testament are describing the one office. Pastor, elder, bishop they're all used in Paul's writings to refer to the one office. Okay, so whether the word is elder or whether the word is pastor or whether the word is bishop in the epistles, he's talking about the office that we are familiar with, the office of the pastor or the office of elders. you hear me? His blueprint for building the church calls for, requires, he came up with this and said, because of what I'm doing to build this church, I need this office, and I need to put people in the office of pastor or elder or bishop because I will build my church, and I will work through that office and those who are in that office to build my church. So the office of the pastor, bishop, elder is not negotiable, right? We can't say, eh, we don't need it anymore. We'll all get together, as some people are, in small groups, you know, and have just house fellowships, and we'll just be the body of Christ. And, we, and nobody has to be the pastor. I don't need to have a pastor. That is not the blueprint. All right? And now, Paul is saying to these Thessalonian Christians, he says, listen, I'm urging you to recognize, one translation says, I want you to respect those who labor among you. Other version says, I want you to acknowledge, I want you to honor, I want you to appreciate, I want you to be thoughtful Regarding the office of the pastor, the bishop, the elder. Again, one office. So let's practice. Say, Lord, I'm thankful for the office of the pastor, elder, or bishop in this church. Be what? Respectful, recognize, acknowledge, appreciate, honor, honor the office of the pastor, elder, bishop of this church and of any church, it must have been a problem back then too that there were people who were in the position of the pastor, elder, uh, bishop who was playing the role that God had called them to play. But there were some folks who were not acknowledging it, not respecting it, not honoring it, and it was causing a problem. And so Paul now hears of this, and so he writes to them and said, guys, you need to do this, because this is the blueprint that Christ is following for building his church. Are we here? All right. There is an example of a, of a problem that illustrates what I'm talking about. In 3 John. Third John only has one chapter. But go to verse 9 and verse 10. Third John. So this is the apostle John who is the apostle of love. So nobody can say John wasn't loving, right? Because if if we know anything about John, he's an apostle of love. He was love, love, love in his epistles, love, 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 let's love one another. So we know him to be a very loving and gentle, right, of all the apostles. So so go now to 3 John and, and let's look at verse 9 and verse 10. Can we read that together? That's John speaking. I wrote to the church, but the Atrophies, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that he himself so i'm going to read this in some other translations okay this is the john the loving pastor apostle he says i have written briefly to the church now if you were to read what he wrote we don't have the time but if you were to read the, what comes before Basically, he was encouraging the church to be generous in supporting some of the brethren who were missionaries, people who had gone out to preach the gospel. He was saying, listen, you all need to bless them, be generous in in, in supporting them, and by so doing, you will be partnering with them in getting the gospel. So basically, he was appealing to the church to be generous in supporting these missionaries who had gone out to preach Christ. So those were his instructions. But he says, this one man, who was part of the church by the name of, he even called his name, the the the, the, the 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 Amplified Bible says, who likes to take the lead among them and put himself first, does not acknowledge my authority and refuses to accept my suggestions or to listen to me. Okay? I mean, so some of the stuff we're dealing with today that make pastors want to (laughs) quit—they're not new, all right. But so here is the apostle now. You come on if you're gonna—if at least I can see you disrespecting some of us. But apostle John, the one who who Jesus entrusted his mother to. So John the apostle gives instruction. He writes and he says to so the church, you'll do A, B, and C. And this man called the Artifice says, he literally begins to say, Who is John? After all, we all we all got the Holy Spirit. We're all called. We're all ministers. Who is John? And literally begin to oppose, and John said, had no Respect for his authority. So what did John say he would do? He said, when I arrive, I will call attention to what he is doing. He is boiling over and casting malicious reflections upon us with insinuating language. And not satisfied with that, he refuses to receive and welcome the missionary brother himself and also interferes with and forbids those who welcome them and tries to expel. So basically, he's, he, as John said, he is refusing to accept the authority of the apostle. He feels that he knows better, and he is actively opposing what the apostle, the instructions the apostle had, had, had given. But notice how John responded. John responded as though he realized that he had authority, given to him by the Lord. And that this man was undermining that authority and in the process he was affecting negatively the work that God was doing among his people. So brethren, the problem existed where back then there were people who didn't really recognize, acknowledge, as they should have, the office of the apostle or the office of the pastor, bishop, and, um, or elder, the role that God had given them to play in the church. That was a hindrance then, and it's a hindrance now to God's work. Okay? So I want to appeal to you and to all of us here let us recognize, let us respect, let us acknowledge the role of the pastor. And when I say pastor, I'm not just talking to me. I'm talking about all our pastors, the office, and elders, because the elders in this church are part of the pastoral office. Okay? some of All the elders that are here, please stand. If you're an elder, would you please stand? All right, so when I talk about the office of the pastor, I'm not talking about a singular office that Bishop Johnson alone occupies in this church. Pastor, will you please stand? Okay, so, so Pastor, let please stand. So all of these people, some of them are licensed ministers, some of them are ordained ministers, others have been appointed as elders. We've got a few more uh, Oh, I see why you are sitting down. We we're talking about I see. Okay, so all the pastors you are standing to be all our elders, pastors. Uh, we we all elders, pastors is one office. Uh, we have we may have different assignments in this church, but all of the pastors, yeah, please, brothers, all of these folks were are standing, pastors, our elders, we're all in this office, and God created this office and the blueprint for every church is that churches need to have people in that office fulfilling a particular function for the church to be healthy and for it to accomplish God's purpose. All right? So I don't want you to view only Bishop Johnson. I want you to see all of these people in the role in the office doing the, fulfilling the responsibilities of the pastor elder. Okay? Please be seated. Thank you. All right, and what the Bible says we should do is what recognize, acknowledge, respect, honor, etc. etc. These people as they seek to do God's will. Now, let me be honest, I've been pastoring for years, it's becoming more and more difficult because, let's be truthful, there was a time. The only person you got to listen to was Bishop Johnson. If you wanted a good sermon on Sunday, you had to come to church to hear a preacher preach, right? So if you wanted to hear Bishop Johnson, you had to come to hear him, assuming you thought he was a good preacher. Now, you got hundreds of choices, right? Online, I mean, you can go on the internet and you can hear T.D. Jakes if you want to. You can hear... What, what, what are some of the people who really? What's the guy in North Carolina? But of Dallas, South Steve, Steve. Uh, you know, you got a lot of powerful preachers, right? People who can really preach, and and you you don't have to come to Bethel or Harvest to 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 even hear me preach. Because if you wanted to hear me preach, you can choose when you want to hear it. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning, right? If you choose to, you can do it Tuesday night if you wanted to hear me. But maybe you didn't want to hear me because you got all these other preachers who are more powerful. And so, whereas before, really if you wanted to hear a sermon, you had to get out of bed and go to church. Whatever church you chose to hear a sermon, you don't have to do that anymore, right? Right? And that's good that now you have the opportunity to receive from many good and powerful teachers and preachers, provided you're listening to those who are really teaching the word. That's good, but then there's the bad side. The bad side is, because of that, many, many, many church members now no longer respect their local Pastors and elders. The value of the local pastor, elders have diminished significantly in the eyes of people. And I don't think that is a God thing. I believe that is the work of the enemy. What do you think? You agree? I know some folks disagree, but they won't say it. But all right. So go back to go back to our opening passage, in 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 First in, um, Thessalonians five. Go back to verse uh 12, let's read that again. Are you still here? I hope I'm not boring you. But I'm really doing this because, guys, we really need to be together. Because that's what it's going to take to accomplish the, the mission. We've got to fix whatever we need to fix so that we can truly work together as, a, as one team. All right? And sometimes you've got to talk about these difficult things in order to fix whatever needs to be fixed. All right, so let's go back and read it again. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. Who recognize those who what? Who do what? So recognize those who labor among you. Honor those who labor among you. Respect those who labor among you. Appreciate those who labor among you. Notice, it's those who labor among you. All of your, your, your pastors and elders, please stand again. I beg y'all. These are the pastors and elders who are laboring among, T.D. Jakes is not laboring among you. They, you know, he's laboring somewhere else, and that's fine. And those folks there need to honor, appreciate, respect, recognize T.D. Jakes. But the scripture says, we in this local church or whatever church you're in, the folks, the elders, the pastors, you're supposed to be honoring, respecting, recognizing, acknowledging, appreciating, are the ones who are laboring among you. Whether they can preach as well as T.D. Jakes or not is irrelevant. Thank you, be seated. The question you need to ask is who are the ones who are laboring among you? And those are the ones who you need to make sure you're honoring, respecting, appreciating. What was that? Honor, etc. etcetera. Et cetera. Not the ones who are the greatest preachers, not the ones who write the greatest books, not the ones who can have the best conferences not the ones who can get you really, really excited because of the way they preach. Thank God for them. I'm not saying anything, I'm not saying you cannot learn from them or benefit from them. But this scripture, written by Paul, Paul was not even telling those people to to be concerned about him. I'm the apostle, but what he was saying was, you need to be focused on those who are laboring among you, the elders, the pastors, and respect them, honor them, acknowledge them, etc. That's the blueprint, people. So I want to appeal to you. Now, all our members are not here, but I'm hoping that enough of you are here and hopefully enough of you are agreeing with what we're sharing, that you will catch that spirit and you will... Begin to yourself by example, by your example, demonstrate that. And by your influence, hopefully encourage others who haven't yet grasped that revelation. One more time. Say those who labor among you. And are over you. I know we don't like that. But that is the Holy Ghost talking. That is God's blueprint. Elders and pastors are placed in a local church to labor. That's work. That's stress. That's why some people want to quit. They're supposed to labor. They're supposed to work. It's hard. We're not supposed to just sit down and do nothing. We're supposed to care for the people of God, right? And if we're doing our job, it's going to be hard, and sometimes we want to quit. But by the grace of God, we won't. And as we labor, God is saying to the body, respect, honor, honor. Acknowledge, appreciate, be grateful for them. You get sick, they visit you. You, you want to get married, they perform your weddings. If you need counseling, they counsel you. When there's a seminar, they got to spend hours and hours and hours and hours preparing to come and talk to you. On Sundays, they don't just show up and get a word, boom, while you're sleeping sometimes, many times on Sunday night. Some of us are wrestling with the Lord. It's the same group of people. I can't say the same thing over and over. You see, when you're an evangelist and you go from one place to the other, you just need, you need four good sermons. <laughs> so some of you listen to those preachers preach on, on TV say, my, the man can preach. You don't know how many times he's preached that one sermon. And how many times he's had to improve on it. <laughs> keep working on it. Keep working until you master it. But when you got to preach to the same group of people, week after week after week, it gets a little bit harder. So that's why I'm thinking about resigning as pastor so I can go on the road. <laughs> but we're having fun. But that's a reality. Preaching is work. Pre- pre- preparing is work so so we are the labor of the lord says then you are to appreciate honor respect those who labor where among you all right don't be like 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 uh Like uh, the atrophies. Okay, let's keep reading. Go on. And to do what? Esteem them very highly in love. Esteem them for their work's sake. Now, you know what that suggests? That you may not like all of us. He didn't say esteem us because... You like us, because some of us are hard. <laughs> hard to what? Hard to like. We got, we got our own issues like you have your issues. I know you're looking so pretty, but you got issues, and you know that. And you know it's the, it, it, it can be hard to love you too, Right? So, the requirement is not that you like all of us. You know, I hope we are, for the most part, okay. You know, I, I hate we're not so flawed in our characters that you can't even stand us. But the, but the command is really not about our personality. I mean, there are just some people whose personalities you like more than others. I mean, that's just a reality, right? Okay, but that's not the issue. It's, he says, Esteem them highly for what? Their work. In other words, place such value on the word. Amen? Place such value on the fact that you got people who know you and are praying for you. Place such value on the fact that if you needed counseling right now, one of these pastors and elders, if they knew about it, would be willing to counsel you. Place such value on the fact that if you got into trouble right now and you were in the hospital or something, when one of us, if not all of us, would be there. You follow me? Place value on the fact that as a result of what we're doing, we have a body of people with whom you are connected. And if everybody doesn't come your way, there are hopefully some people in this church that you're so close to And one of the reasons you have those relationships is because you met in this church. And if this church did not exist, you would have never met sister so-and-so and and brother so-and-so who now is your best friend, who you can talk to and can count on. You met, many of you met those people and those relationships were developed right here. But you forget about that. Mm -hmm. You forget about that. So what he's saying, think about all of those kinds of blessings, spiritual blessings, not physical per se, but all of the spiritual blessings that come directly or indirectly as a result of the ministry of those that God has placed here. Some of you are doing things that you enjoy, and it's because the church existed. But the church existed and has existed because God put in his blueprint, this office of pastor and elders, and as they are faithfully, not perfectly, but faithfully doing what God has called them to do, this church exists that allows a lot of good things to happen. Right? Some mess up things too, but a lot of good things happen. And even the mess up things are for our own good. Many times because it shows us that we are messed up ourselves. And we need to humble ourselves and grow. How many of you know that some of the people who get on your nerves are some of God's greatest gifts to you? (laughs) Seriously. Because we can really think that we are all that until God sends someone to show us ourselves. (laughs) And you say, you mean I'm still capable of thinking like that? Feeling like that? Talking like that? It humbles you and helps you, hopefully, to grow. Amen? So here is the point. Value them highly in love. Love them for their work's sake. That's very important. The Holy Spirit is very, very particular. He's saying it's not about so much who they are. They may not be the smartest. They may not know a lot of things. But because of the work that they are doing, be grateful. Be thankful. Honor them. Respect them. Watch what you say about them. Encourage them. Watch how you talk to them. Watch what you say behind their back. Right, the bishop. he' telling the truth. Said <laughs> that's why we appreciate you so. <laughs> Amen. Go to the next verse. Well, no. Before you do that, let's just read that. Be at peace among yourselves. So now he's saying, be at peace. What among your? So let's understand context. Be at peace among yourselves. There are two applications. First of all, we who are pastors and elders, we need to what? Be at peace because sometimes we are not. We ourselves can have conflict. Listen to me. You strike the shepherd and the sheep. Now, we, we all need to be at peace with one another because that also applies to the relationships. But in particular, we gotta be careful with those of us who God has put in this position as shepherd or pastor. Because what happens between us or to us can not, will not only impact us, but literally, it can cause the entire church to split. It can do severe damage. To the work of God. So in particular, those of us who are in this role need to watch ourselves. Are you hearing me? That's why the Bible says don't put a novice in that position. Because if you put a novice in that position, he, he or she gets puffed up. And then can do so much damage to God's people. Hmm. So we who are in this position, we got to make sure that we are at peace. We're able to work together in harmony. Hallelujah. Let's go on to the next verse, please. Now we exhort you, brethren. Now, who is he exhorting? The brethren, right? Not not the pastors alone. The pastors are brethren too. Now remember now, as pastors, elders, we really, you know, we are leaders, but we're also part of the sheepfold. Jesus is Lord. You know, we don't get to, to say, well, the members have to do this, but we don't, right? Everything that the members have to do, we have to do because we're sheep too. Okay, so we got to keep that in mind. We don't we don't get to lord it over God's people. You follow me? We don't get not to serve. We don't get to have just talk to people any old way. You follow me? Whatever the sheep, is supposed to do, are supposed to do to please the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do because we are sheep. Now we have, now we have some leadership responsibilities that we have to be faithful to. So, but this is an exhortation here to brethren. That means it's not just to the pastors, that particular exhortation is to every one of us. At this point, he's speaking to you. As a member of this local church. And he's speaking to all members of every local church. And what does he say? All of us. That means all of you. Should be doing. Again. This is his blueprint for the church to be the church. What does he say you should do? Do what? Warn those who are unruly. Have you been warning anybody recently? Hmm. Yeah, have you been warning? Have you seen unruly behavior among us? Again, I'm not excluding the pastors because sometimes we can be unruly. Right? But whether with the pastors warning you or you warning somebody else or you warning the pastor, the point is. We have a responsibility to do what? Be warning who? The what? Now say warn. Somebody, what does it mean? Why do you when you say warn, it means it's danger, right? When you warn someone, it's because wow, what you're doing is extremely dangerous. What you're doing has serious consequences. You know, right now you're exposing yourself to some bad things or you may be causing some bad things to happen, right? So warning is always connected with something bad. Okay. So when he says warn the unruly, he, he means then that the unruly are engaging in things that are dangerous, harmful, destructive, Not good. Not good for them, not good for the church, not good for God's plan and God's program. Now, I know, I know because I've heard people say this and maybe I've done it myself. We see certain behavior and we say, you know what, I'm not going to say nothing, I'm just going to pray. How many of you, come on, don't lie now. How many of you have seen some unruly behavior and you say, you know what? mm." Okay, I believe you all are truth tellers. So I'm going to raise my hand first because I know I've done that. Anybody else wants to join me? Some of you are not telling the truth, though. Because you can't tell me you've never witnessed some unruly behavior and you kept your mouth shut. Well, maybe, maybe Harvest is so perfect that maybe maybe, maybe, you, maybe, you don't ever see any of that here at Harvest, right? You don't ever see it at Harvest, right? You know what you see behind the behind back. Here's the reality. We, we have all observed unruly behavior. And what this passage is saying, brethren, unruly behavior is dangerous, harmful, destructive. It it has bad consequences, either personally for us or for the church or the work of God. And so whenever, first of all, it means we should not be unruly. Certainly, and when we see a brother, a sister, a leader acting in an unruly manner, the right thing to do, the loving thing to do, is to do what? Now you don't have to be nasty about it. You don't have to be rude. But if if, if you don't, if you kind of just are quiet and appear to be okay with it, then you're encouraging destructive harmful behavior and the devil will use it. So I guess what he's saying, the way you stop the devil from being able to do that is if all of us say, you know what, we're going to look out for each other and whenever we see unruly behavior, we're going to, we're going to try to stop it. We're going to talk to the person. Hopefully that takes care of it. If it doesn't, then there are certain steps that we need to make clear that we should follow. But, but, but this is something that all of us should not engage in unruly behavior and this is something all of us should engage in when we see it happening wisely, gently, but don't support it. Warn the person. Now, you will get some people vexed with you. So, that's going to happen, but it's still important enough for us to say something as lovingly as possible, and hopefully the rest of us will be humble enough to accept correction. But what does it mean to be unruly? Can someone define that for me? You want to look at your dick your 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 thing and look in your phone and do a definition if you have to. Huh? Okay. So um, uh, Antoine said to be unruly means to not follow the rules. Uh, and, and really that's a that's that's a that's a basic, I think that's a good definition. If you look in a dictionary, it basically says to be unwilling to disorderly, discount, but to be unwilling to submit to discipline control rules. All right? So that means there are rules. That means every local church must have rules. Order structure lines of authority Are you hear me And for that organization or that church to function those rules need to be understood and they need to be respected by everybody You cannot operate the local church the way God has designed it if there are not rules Structure, order, lines of authority, people in positions of authority with responsibilities, people who direct and people who implement. There has to be those rules. And what he's saying is every one of us, pastors, elders, deacons, members ought to know what the rules are and do what? Yeah, respect the rules. That is, that is being Christ-like. I was reading today uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist were baptizing people, right? And he was baptizing people, the Bible says, "unto repentance uh, and the remission of sins. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ shows up. came to John's meeting. John had already said, I'm telling you there's someone coming after me who's greater than me. In fact, he's so much greater, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. And you say, yeah, don't, don't go to sleep on me. The rule is you got to stay awake. <laughs> okay? But, so he says, the one who's coming after me is greater than me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. i baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John already knows that the one who's coming is far greater than he. Now, it's it's amazing. John was Jesus' cousin. But up to this time, John didn't know who the greater one was. God had hidden that from John. John didn't know that his cousin was the one he was talking about. But he knew by the spirit. You know, John spent a lot of time in prayer. God revealed to him and he just knew someone is coming I'm not going to be able to even I don't, I'm not worth it I'm not I, I'm in a his, the class he's in is so superior to me we're not in the same class that right there tells you John knows that this man is not no ordinary prophet okay so he has this revelation but he's preaching and you got all of these sinners coming for repentance and then Jesus who is Son of God, who is sinless, who has no sins to confess, shows up and comes into the water. And when John said, no, 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 no. I should be baptized because now God opens John's eyes and he recognized this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that I, God just revealed it to John. And John said, wait a minute. No, no, I should be baptized of you. And yeah, in principle, Jesus was so much greater than John. But Jesus says, suffer it to be so down to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus, even though he was far greater than John, submitted to John the Baptist. Because at that point, Amen. John was the one who God had placed in, in that position right now. Jesus knew the time would come when he would be released. But until that time, even though he was much greater than John, he manifested his greatness by humbling himself. He manifested his perfection by recognizing the authority of John the Baptist and submitting to it. He said, if you want to be great, what should you do? Humble yourself. Are you hear me? And so, one of the greatest ways by which we manifest our greatness is to be able to recognize authority and submit to it appropriately. We're not talking about abuse of authority. We're talking about authority that is being exercised appropriately and biblically. Are you hear me? So, i have to stop because we're past time. But Warn those who are unruly. So here hear I me, mean, here, I mean, here, here, here. Church, let's truly understand that in order to do what God has called us to do, we've got to come together. We've got to flow together. We've got to be one we got to be single-minded. And for the church to do what Christ wants it to do, we've got to recognize, acknowledge, respect, and honor the office of the pastor and elder. Even if you're Jesus and we're John the Baptist, for now, John the Baptist is the one baptizing. Let's respect that, honor that. And the day will come when you will be baptizing with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. The Bible says if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us in due season. All right? I will stop. I have a few minutes tomorrow. I will continue. Uh, but that really was just one verse. I had a lot more to, to, to happen. But did you receive something? You got it? Do you, more importantly, do you have something that you can literally apply Uh, because you see, it's not the hear of the word, but it's a doer, right? And so let's, did we record this? Is it going to be available where? It'll be on the podcast. Okay, guys, I'm going to listen to it over myself because I believe the Lord spoke through me. Um, I didn't have all of these things, notes, and I want you to please listen to it again. Okay? Okay? Your pastor is asking you to please listen to this again and this time say, Holy Spirit, help me to hear the way you want me to hear. And most importantly, let me learn the lessons I need to learn and show me how to apply them in my own life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that you have spoken to our hearts. We pray that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things we've heard. And may our lives be transformed. As a result of this, I pray that all of us, pastors, elders, deacons, ministry leaders, faithful, active members of this body, I pray, Lord, that all of us will truly endeavor to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and that all of us will submit to you and to the authority and the and the structures that you put in place uh, for the smooth functioning of this body so that the assignment upon our lives and upon this church can be fulfilled we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say this because you know I don't know whether all of you will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, but conflict will happen. All right? I mean that's just a fact. Uh, you'll have conflict with one another, and you'll have conflict with your pastors. That will happen. Don't think it's strange. All right? Don't leave the church because of conflict. Whenever you work closely with people, there will be conflict. And and conflict, I believe, is is intended by God to help us grow. You know, your muscles develop when when, when it undergoes pressure. The pressure causes the muscle to develop. Okay? So God has designed us to function. In a body where there will be conflict. That's part of the training. So don't run because of conflict. Instead when there's conflict. Ask yourself. Lord what are you trying to teach me? How how am I supposed to learn from this? How am I supposed to grow? And become more Christ like. Let that be. Your approach to conflict. Now. In terms of resolving it. The Lord gave us the method, the pattern. This is what he said. He said, if Antoine offends me, now. Because if Antoine offends me, it could be that Antoine offended me, or it could be that I only perceived what he did as an offense. All right? But there's a problem, and I'm annoyed. He says, don't go and tell, I shouldn't go and tell 10 people about how he offended me. Because what I'm doing, I'm simply, I'm not, bringing, I'm not bringing healing by doing that. I'm just creating more problems, right? He says, you know what? Be man enough, be woman enough to go to Antoine. I say, Antoine, when you, when, you, when, you, when you shook my hands the other day, the way you squeezed my hand, you hurt my hand. And I think you meant to do so. <laughs> yeah, because the other day, that you, because Diana and I had, a, had had a little talk, that's why you squeeze my hand so hard. <laughs> All the time you've been shaking my hand, you never squeeze it like this. So anyway, so but he says, come to, come to him and tell him. Antoine, you squeeze my hand, and it hurt me, and I just want you to know that. Then what are we supposed to do? Listen. Let Antoine explain. Antoine can say, no, I was glad you talked to her in that way because she did. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I squeezed her hair like that because I was so glad. <laughs> and I, was, I was shaking your hand because I was so glad that, that you told my wife she should respect me. <laughs> <laughs> But the point is, go to him. Go to her. Try to be as objective as possible in explaining what happened. And listen to his response. If, if the response you still feel isn't satisfactory, you feel that this still needs to go further, the scripture says, go and get someone else who hopefully both of you respect, but who can be a positive force, not just someone who is side with you, but someone who can be an objective um, instrument to help bring about understanding healing. Like in the case with these two leaders, she reached out to me, and in that case, I played a positive role, right? So you bring someone in who you respect, and uh, who both of you hopefully respect, and can try to fix it if it needs to happen. All right? And the scripture says, if you can't work it between you two, then guess what? You can bring it to the pastors. If, you, if, if, you haven't already, if, if the pastor wasn't one of those person's already involved. He says, you can bring it to us, right? At that point, you brought it to the level of the church. And Now, this is what we're going to start doing. This is what we're going to start doing. We, just, we had an opportunity to do it recently. We're going to start doing that, okay? And this involved me. There was something involving me. Uh, was, you know, a certain member had a problem with something that he felt I was doing. So what I said was, you know what? We had never done it before, but I asked Pastor Pete to put together a team of pastors I don't know whether there were any elders per se, but pastors, right? Together, and I said, let that person come and state that, you know, whatever it is, that, is uh, that they feel that I'm doing that's wrong. Let them state it to you very clearly. Let, let the um, pastors listen objectively. I told them I begged them, but not just because I'm senior pastor, but listen objectively and then render some judgment based upon what they hear. If I'm wrong, then please tell me I'm wrong where I need to make the correction. If the other person is wrong, please tell them, hopefully that person will make the correction. So that's what we did, and it worked out fine. Okay, whatever the problem is, it's fixed. Okay, so that's what we want to do. Okay, so if it comes to us and it's it's at the level where that kind of stuff, then we will go ahead and the elders, put together a team of elders or pastors, three or more to sit down, And basically hear what it is that you feel has been done against you and and prayerfully try to render some some judgment uh, that hopefully can be satisfactory so that the issue can be resolved peacefully and you can feel you've been heard and the relationship can be restored when possible and hopefully we can go on beyond that and be in peace. Because I think many times the reason why certain problems linger is because there's no, no arbitration in that sense. And the Bible says you should do that. So if ever your situation rises to that level, that you feel that that kind of intervention is necessary, please let us know and we will put together a team of people who we think is right for your situation to listen and hopefully help to resolve the problem in a way that allows your relationship to continue and the church to be healthy, okay? So you don't have to try to, if you don't figure it out, you don't need to get vexed and leave. Hopefully we can, do, we can do more than we've done in the past to really fix these things at that level. In Jesus' name, Amen. in Jesus' name. All right, God bless you. God bless you, thank you for coming tonight. I appreciate it.